We would like to thank all of our listeners for their continued support and positive feedback over our past eight episodes. We work hard to produce each of these podcasts, and we appreciate the contributions we've received so far through our Patreon. Patreon is a website that allows people to pledge a monthly amount to support artists they love. We'd like to give a huge thank you to Pete Miller, who is currently our largest Patreon contributor. Collectively, to date, we've raised slightly over $100 a month, which we greatly appreciate. But in order to be a sustainable podcast in the long run, we need your help. If you like what we do and you want to hear more, please visit our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash thin air podcast. Now, on with the show. I, I was just so choked up and I was hurt. And it's like, it, it's your worst nightmare. It's your worst nightmare. Ayla Reynolds was just 20 months old when she went missing from her bed at her father's house. She was living with her father, Justin, at the time in a town called Waterville, a sleepy town in Maine, 30 minutes north of Augusta. Her father called 911 at 8.49 a.m. on December 17, 2011, the morning after she went missing. The audio for this call hasn't been released to the media, but the transcripts, available online, provide Justin's account of his daughter's disappearance as it is still understood today. Before getting into the details of this call, it's important to note some of the circumstances regarding Ayla's disappearance. Justin's house, where Ayla was staying, was owned by his mother Phoebe, who also lived there. Besides Justin and Phoebe, also staying at the house was Justin's girlfriend Courtney, her young son, and Justin's sister Alicia, who also had a child staying there. That makes for four adults and three children, including Ayla, who were there or who could have been there the night of her disappearance. In the 911 call, Justin said he woke up and Ayla wasn't there. According to Justin, the last time he saw her was, quote, when I put her to bed last night, my sister had checked on her, um, woke up this morning, went to her room, and she's not there. As he kept talking to dispatch, his sister also answered questions in the background, saying that she checked on her at 10 p.m. the previous night. Justin asserts that there is no way she could have climbed out of her crib. An officer arrives shortly after, and the call ends. Justin rarely talks to the media after this, and never gives an account of that night anywhere else, so the 911 call is one of the most important pieces in this story. Shortly after the 911 call, in Portland, Maine, about an hour away from Waterville, a police officer arrives at Ronald Reynolds' house. Ronald, or Ronnie, is Ayla's grandfather, and his daughter Trista is Ayla's mother. Ronnie spoke to us at length about his granddaughter's disappearance, the circumstances involved in young Ayla's life, and his theories for what happened to her. Oh, I'm sorry, man. She doesn't want to go. I will take her with me. Sorry, man. It's okay. Okay, you want to go back to Papa? I'm sorry. She doesn't want to. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, sorry about that, man. That's okay. I'm bring was my that... granddaughter with me. Yeah, was that your granddaughter? Uh, that, was my... that was my other granddaughter, Naomi Grace. How old is she? She's three years old. Um, very smart, very intelligent. We caught Ronnie as he was driving with his family, and he frequently stops throughout to talk to them. It's clear that they're very close. What did I love about Ayla? She was beautiful. 
He was. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was. I mean, she loved her mother. She loved everybody. And, oh, God, she had a beautiful smile, had beautiful eyes, you know. Um, but she knew when Papa was in the house, and as soon as I walked through the door, Papa, Papa. You know, my sister would say, Ayla, Papa's here. She see me and run in the other room, and then she come running back out. And she was a blonde girl. Yeah, blonde, blue eyes. Yeah, beautiful blue eyes. In the immediate aftermath of Ayla's disappearance, it seems like, for a while anyway, Ayla's disappearance was reported and investigated as a possible abduction case, that she was taken out of her bed by someone unknown as her father and his girlfriend slept downstairs. The community rallied behind this idea, coming together to try and find the perpetrator who stole little Ayla from her bed. Various businesses in the area raised $30,000 for information that led to Ayla's safe return, the state of Maine conducted extensive searches for Ayla, making her case one of, if not the largest search in the state's history. They searched woods, waterways, neighborhoods throughout the state, and the FBI joined the search too. They received 1,300 leads. But attention quickly turned closer to home, and suspicion fell on Ayla's parents, Justin and Trista. The relationship between Ayla's mother Trista and father Justin had never been very good. The two were friends, but never a couple, and once Trista became pregnant with Ayla, things became contentious between the two families. Ronnie says he never liked Justin to begin with. When did Trista meet Justin? Is it um, DePetro? Is that how you say his last name? Oh, I could call him a lot of things, but uh, it's uh, Justin DePetrio. I, I think it was a a mutual friend that introduced him. I only met him one time and, uh, when I first met him. Uh, I shook his hands and uh, I'm a pretty smart guy when it comes to people and uh, something didn't feel right. The months leading up to Ayla's disappearance had been especially tense between the two families. No clear custody rules for Ayla had been set, and so, according to Ronnie, Ayla began to spend time with Justin at his mother Phoebe's insistence. Were Trista and Justin, were they in a relationship? Like, were they dating? Were they ever married? Um, no, 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 never married. Um, just, um, you know, just friends. And But the thing is, once Justin found out that Trista um, was pregnant, you know, she kept telling him, you know, Justin... Uh, you know, this is your child, and he kept denying it and denying it, and kept saying mean and hateful things to uh, my daughter, you know, and uh, it came to the point that uh, I almost went after him, but um, eventually he acknowledged it was his child, and um, at that point, um, his uh, reaction um, was, I don't want nothing to do with her, blah, 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 and Apparently, his mother, Phoebe, turned around and said, uh, you know, you're her father, and, you know, you need to start you know, spending time and all this other stuff. This whole, this whole thing, so messed up. So messed up. So Ayla begins her informal custody arrangement, staying with both Justin and Trista. But Ronnie claims that Ayla began coming home with strange marks and bruises. After a while, she would come home with um, bruises on her, you know? And um, it just, uh, things were not right. And uh, Tristan would question him, and he would come up with these uh, cockamamie stories. We'd tell, oh, yeah, this, that, and everything else. Well, we knew better. We knew better. 
you know, I wasn't going yesterday. I wasn't stupid. It's just from his demeanor where he didn't want anything to do with her. He kept denying it and so on and so on and so on. And uh, another time she came home from being with him and her, I think it was her right, it was her right or left leg where she couldn't walk on it, you know, and she was having a hard time. And it was like turned a little, you know, um, out, you know, and I'm like, I mean, this is not right. What, what's going on? And my sister took her to the doctors and checked it out, and she had a leg that apparently um, was bruised really bad, and so had to um, seek um, you know, little therapy for kids and things like that until her leg could get back to where it should be. I knew the, you know, the things that I was seeing and the signs um, that I was seeing on my granddaughter. I knew. I knew it was more than what he was saying to anybody. Despite these injuries, all of which Justin claimed were caused by normal childhood events, Trista was having problems of her own. Shortly before Ayla disappeared, Trista checked herself into rehab for alcohol abuse. While she was in rehab, Ayla was taken and placed into Justin's custody full-time. It's hard to find information about how or why this happened. According to Ronnie, Ayla was taken out of Trista's custody by the state with few reasons given. It all began when um, Trister um, decided to go into rehab to um, get better. One uh, Monday night, uh, I was at work and my daughter called. She said, Dad, the Lutheran Police Department is here right now. They're here to get Ayla. I said, whoa, 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 what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Yes, Dad, they're here to get Ayla and to give Ayla to Justin. I said, no, 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 no. Ah, I need to speak to the officer right now. So Jessica turned around and said, excuse me, sir, my dad's on the phone. He'd like to talk to you. Uh, Ayla needed to be given to um, her father. And come to find out, um, the officer, I said, sir, I'm going to tell you right now, because uh-uh, everything was all set up for my granddaughter to be with my daughter and the family, because that way she wouldn't feel scared and be in somewhere else. He turned around, and I said, I'm telling you right now, sir, you take her down to him. She is going to slip out. She does not want to be around here. And the officer said, Miss Reynolds, um, between me and you and this phone, he said, if I had my way, your granddaughter would not be going anywhere. She would be staying right here, right now, he said. But my superior said that we had to come and we had to give her to the father. I'm like, sir, I'm telling you, you take her downstairs and it's going to happen. And um, he says, well, after we get done, he says, from all this, he goes, I'm going to make a report and um, I'm going to pass it on. Well, come to find out, he did exactly what I said. He took her down there and she flipped out. Justin, however, tells a different story. Rather than health and welfare being involved, Justin claimed in a letter to the press, released after Ayla's disappearance, that Ayla was given to Justin to care for while Trista was in rehab. Quote, I have no idea what happened to Ayla or who was responsible. I will not make accusations or insinuations toward anyone until the police have been able to prove who's responsible for this. 
Ayla was in my sole custody at the time of her disappearance, per agreement between her mother and I, because she was temporarily unable to care for Ayla. It's hard to know why exactly Ayla ended up in Justin's care during this time. If Ronnie is right, why would Health and Welfare place Ayla in Justin's home if there were allegations of child abuse and he had no legal custody rights? On the other hand, why would Tristan just give Ayla to Justin as he claims, knowing how bad their relationship was? It's hard to figure out the truth here. In an ABC News story on Ayla's case, which aired just four days after she went missing, the story they report is also that Health and Welfare placed Ayla in Justin's custody. DHHS recently placed Ayla with her father, but no formal custody arrangement exists between the two parents who have so far been shuttling her between their homes in Maine leaving Ayla as one of the thousands of children caught in a very unclear custody arrangement. After, uh, after he went to live with his cute and uh, the family, um, things began to happen. And um, uh, supposedly, um, that supposedly, it was a rainy night, this is what he said, that he was coming up to the stairs and going into the house. Now, I've seen the stairs. There's no big stairs. They're small stairs, okay? And he ended up supposedly tripping and falling on her. No, bullshit. Sorry. No, wrong. He abused my granddaughter. He broke her arm. It was proven um, because they had a doctor check it out. They called the police. The police came in and took a report. It was broken. He broke it. You tripped and you fell on her? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. How how old was she when she had a broken arm? Well, let's see. Well, she was about, um, well, about 20 months old, ma'am. About 20 months old when she, yep, when she had that, uh, her little arm broken. And, uh, yep, yep, it, um, so when I heard about it, it really got me upset. At the time she went missing, Ayla had a broken arm with a cast. It was hard for me to imagine a 20-month-old with a broken arm. It just seems like something that shouldn't happen. Kids at that age seem so resilient, so unbreakable. It's hard to understand how, after all her injuries around her father, that health and welfare could actually place her into his custody. That's the thing that really pisses me off. Justin had no legal right to, you know, because really by rights, we all know this. Any time before you put a child into a home, you are supposed to investigate your home, the family, whoever that child is going to be with, background check, you name it, it's got to be done. And that's the law. This all leads up to December 16th, 2011, the night Justin said Ayla went missing. Saying this date feels somewhat arbitrary, because it had been weeks since Trista and her family had heard from Ayla, and when Trista talked to Justin during this time, their agreement on who had custody of Ayla was going from unclear to contentious. Next, um... It was um, after Trister um, got out of rehab, uh, realized that, you know, Justin never brought her to the doctors like he's supposed to to get that arm checked. 
Um, never uh, took her to get her three shots, which a child is required. Uh, and sister would call to say, can I speak to Ayler and things like that. He'd come up with some cockamamie. Oh, she's watching her show. She doesn't want to talk. How do you know she doesn't want to talk, you know? And uh, eventually Justin got mad. And um, it was on December 11th, uh, December 16th, 2011. He, um, after sister talked to him on the phone, he said, look, why didn't you bring her up to get her objects like you were supposed to? Why didn't you um, get her three shots like you were supposed to? And um, so he turned around, and um, he um, got um, got me, right? And out of the blue, he says, look, you and your family will ever see Ayler again. When Trista got out of rehab, Ronnie described how she began the legal process of getting full custody of Ayla. She went down to the courthouse and to get custody of Ayla, and nobody knew about it. Well, apparently, I understand that Phoebe um, apparently, uh, you know, works for the government or something like that. And um, apparently, somehow, it got leaked out that uh, Trista filed papers to take Ayla from Justin. According to Ronnie, Trista filed for sole custody of Ayla the day before she went missing on December 15, 2011, telling no one of her plans and that somehow Phoebe, Justin's mother, found out, providing a possible motive for Ayla's disappearance. Ronnie also claims that Justin told Trista that no one in her family would ever see her again. Did Phoebe know about Trista trying to get custody of Ayla? Would she admit to knowing that, even if it was true? And Ronnie, who clearly thinks Justin had something to do with his granddaughter's disappearance, is he just looking for something? Something that would give him a reason for what he thinks Justin did? Anyway, back to that night. Ayla is with her father in Waterville, and it's Friday evening. Justin makes it sound like everything was normal, that he put Ayla to bed at 8 o'clock, and his sister Alicia checked on her around 10 p.m., only rumors have seeped out about what went on this night, but it's unclear to say the least. In the weeks following Ayla's disappearance, Justin does few interviews, claiming that he doesn't want to interfere with the investigation. But that night, there are rumors of a party taking place at the house, of drugs, and of strangers possibly coming in and out of the house. Phoebe, Justin's mother, and the owner of the house, did talk to some reporters after Ayla went missing. I feel violated, Phoebe said in a January 2012 interview with CNN. Somebody came into my home and took my granddaughter who was sleeping. She went on to explain that she was there that night, that she was in the living room close to where Ayla slept a majority of the night. She said she heard nothing and that all the doors were locked. But other than that, she was scarce on the details. There was no party here at the house, Phoebe said. Other than that, I can't answer any questions. And then, just a few days later, again in an interview with CNN, Phoebe changed her story. Again, I'm not going to, I've given my theories and my opinions to the um, Waterville Police Department and the detectives. I just keep hoping that law enforcement is going to bring Ayla home and that they are going to find her. You didn't hear any noise. I did not hear anything. She didn't hear anything because she was somewhere else, another location she declined to publicly disclose. 
This change in Phoebe's story really sticks out to me. In the first interview she gives, there's such a narrative of a lie, that she was there, that she was in the living room, that she didn't hear anything, when she wasn't actually there at all. It really speaks volumes here. Why did she lie? Why would she need to? So, um, eventually, it uh, was on a Friday, and um, I'm watching the news, and then all of a sudden, they did an interview with Phoebe. And um, at that point, I'm watching it, and I'm, like, really close to the TV, you know. And I'm, you know, I'm just, like, messed up in the head because of what's going on right now, and I'm watching it and watching it. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, yeah, there was no party here Friday night. Everything was fine. And, you know, Justin laid Ayla down about 8, 8.30, you know, and I'm just watching it. And I'm like, no, you guys are lying. You're lying. I know you are. 15 minutes into the show, she is, like, starts to cry. And I'm like, why is she crying? And then the reporter turns around and says, well, why are you crying? And something told me right there, it's about to come out, and it did come out. She turns around and she goes, well, I, um, I'm crying because I lied. I knew it. I knew it. I said to myself, here we go. And the reporter goes, well, what do you mean you lied? I lied to protect Justin. I wasn't here Friday night. I lost it in the house. I did. I lost it. I flipped out. I started hitting the walls. I just started flipping out. They all lied. And then that morning when he said that he called the police, he didn't call the police. He called the person that sold him the life insurance policy on my granddaughter three days before she witnessed. Uh, he called an insurance company that morning? Yes, ma'am. He called his friend, who is a insurance adjuster, who deals with insurance. He took a life insurance policy out on Ayla three days before she went missing. The last part about the insurance that Justin took out on Ayla, it was hard to find evidence of this outside of Trista and Ronnie's claims. In an interview Trista gave in 2012 to Fox News, she claims that Justin took out life insurance on Ayla eight weeks before she went missing. This was all I could find. He has not collected it. He better not ever collect it on my granddaughter because I can promise you, all hell will break loose. That I will guarantee. With all of the circumstantial evidence building against Justin and everyone in the house, police were about to discover something a bit more physical. Ayla's blood. Came out that blood was found um, all over the wall. It was splattered downstairs, upstairs, on his bed, um, in the truck, on his shoes. Um, the vomit that they also found was Ayla's um, between the blood and the vomit together. So at that point, um, the investigations continued, and a lot of things came out. Um, apparently, they tried to clean up the blood with um, ethanol, ethanol, or whatever, you know, that proposed to get rid of the blood, but it doesn't. When the state police turned around, they used their little special lights, and you could see blood splattered everywhere. You know, it was all Ayla's. Everything they found was Ayla's. Police found blood evidence inside the house as early as January of 2012. The blood was later proven to be Ayla's, 
and was, quote, more than a small cut would produce. Here's Trista in a 2013 interview with the Bangor Daily News describing the blood evidence that she saw. I'm hoping by releasing what I'm going to release, it, it will put pressure on Justin and Alicia and Courtney maybe to finally speak about that night or at least, I don't know, have it eat their conscience alive to where they just crack. It wasn't just a little bit of blood with the photos that I had seen and there was a little, like, some saliva mixed in with some of her blood. I, when I agreed to see it, I didn't expect to see what I did see, but it, it is, I'm, it is of Ayla's blood in different places, but mainly in Justin's basement. And I, like I said before, it, it literally looked like a murder scene to me. I think like just seeing her blood, it makes me wonder how much she, she suffered. In May of 2012, Waterville police gave a press conference on the state of the investigation. This case will never close until Ayla is found. Saying that, however, we want to be candid and upfront with the public who has followed this case intensively for the past five and a half months. Based on everything we know, the thousands of hours of investigation, the 1,127 leads that have come in and have been received and acted on, the searches, the dives, and the evidence gathered at this point, we think it is highly unlikely that Ayla Reynolds will be found alive. Nothing points in that direction. Since this press conference in 2012, little new information on the investigation has surfaced other than the occasional media report that the investigation is still active. No one in the house that night has ever been named a suspect or even a person of interest. For Ronnie and his family, the lack of prosecution and movement in Ayla's case has been very difficult. After talking to you with the evidence that she had been abused and the blood evidence, how is there no charges ever brought against Justin? I believe, in my, deep in my heart, I believe that the Waterville Police Department screwed up on the investigation and let them stay there, you know, in that house, while the investigation was going on, they should have gone in that house and did an investigation. They even came out and admitted that, that they should have done their job better than what they did. Since day one, it's been hell. I mean, I, um, you know, um, it just breaks my heart, you know, I mean, between my wife being sick with cancer and knowing that my, my granddaughter's out there somewhere, and apparently um, they believe that that night that... Um, it all took place, and um, it got um, she got um, 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 put in a blanket, wrapped up in a blanket, and um, believe that she was put in the tote, carried out to the vehicle, and taken off somewhere. And that's where wherever she is right now, her little body is um, out there somewhere. We don't know where, and um, but they do, they do, they know where. Justin knows where, because he was the one that took it. He was the one that did it.
In 2013, the tension between the two families erupted when Justin and Phoebe went to court on an unrelated case. Justin was facing a charge of domestic violence toward his then-girlfriend, Courtney. He pled not guilty. Trista and Ronnie were there at the courthouse, and the scene quickly turned to chaos. My daughter's Ayla, you know your granddaughter? Why don't you tell us what you did with her? Why don't you tell me? No, you know what, Phoebe? No, tell me. No, Phoebe, you tell me what you did with my daughter. Tell me what you did with my daughter. Tell us what you did with her. Really? Because she was in your house with what? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Where is she, Phoebe? You don't even have. Let me go, Brian. Let me go. You don't even have the decency to look me in my face, Phoebe, and tell me what happened to my daughter. I'm a. And if you go back and you look at that video again, and you look at Phoebe, that's. And you listen to what she said to Trista when she turned around and Trista got right in her face and she goes, she's my granddaughter and I love her and you need to bring her home. I'm like, what? Are you, are you kidding me? We need to bring her home when you guys had her the whole freaking time? Are you really that stupid, Phoebe? Are you trying to bully us? I'm sorry. You're, you're talking to the wrong people. You think you're going to bully me and my daughter or anything? I got news for you. You guys had Ayla. You guys were the last ones to see her. The three pigs that were in that house that night were the last ones to see her. Right. There's no question about that, right? I mean, the police know and have verified that she was there. It's not like a question. We all know the truth. Okay. We all know the truth. Especially when you turn around and he turns around and says to Trista that you or your family won't ever see Aaron again. What does that tell you? What does that tell you right there? He did something to her. You lying, lying. I'm telling you, I just, I'm sorry. I've called Justin out numerous times. Justin, get in my face. You others get in my face. And tell me that you didn't have him. They won't even come near me. Ayla's disappearance and what has felt like a lack of justice for the Reynolds family has taken an emotional toll on Ronnie personally. In 2015, it led to a breakdown. I um, ended up having a breakdown, you know, um, in 2015. And um, I, um, at that point, I um, was, um, you know, from all this drinking every day, um, just so depressed, couldn't deal with it, crying all the time. Um, just constantly thinking about hurting them and doing whatever I needed to do to get the answers that I needed and things like that. And um, it's like a demon to me. I've never ever felt the way I you know, feel like now. It's like a demon to me. It's, it, the demon wants to come out. The demon wants to hurt these people. They want, he wants to take them out. But on the other side of me, you can't do that because your family needs you. You know, your grandkids need you, your wife, your daughter, you know, and I realize that too. So it's like a battle back and forth. A question I had, when, when you think about, I mean, I'm sure you've thought about this a lot, but why do you think Justin would do this to Ayla? Why do you think he would hurt her like this? Um, my honest opinion is that 
he didn't want her. He didn't want her, and that I believe that his mother kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And I believe that night that um, drugs were involved. Also, from what I understand, he um, owed drug dealers money. So I believe that they were probably going to hurt him, and if he didn't pay back or whatever, and so he had to come up with a scheme. And then talk is that they believe that Ailey was Ayla was missing um, a week before he made the actual call and saying that someone came in and took her. Now, I believe my granddaughter went through a lot in that house. I really do. I believe that little, little girl. Yeah, I believe, um, you know, when I think about, you know, what she could have gone through, it breaks my heart. It really does. It breaks my heart. Just try not to think, but I'm like, you know, um, I wish I could have been there. I really do. I wish I could have been there to save her. What pain did she go through? You know, I mean, it's just, did she suffer? You know, did she, I don't know. I mean, I, all I can say is, I hope she didn't suffer. I mean that. I hope she didn't suffer. I hope that when he wrapped her up and put her in that tote, I hope that I just hope that I hope that it was quick for her so she didn't have to suffer. As of May 2016, the Reynolds family plans to file suit against Justin DiPietrio, his girlfriend Courtney, and his sister Alicia for wrongful death, negligence, and child endangerment. I'm pissed. You set me on that stand. You put me on that stand, and I'll tell you everything. I think it's told you now from day one. Everything. Everything. You know, I've never, never forgot it. I never will forget it. Um... And, um, you know, but no, I don't, you know, personally, I don't give a shit about the money. I want justice. I want to get along staying. We want answers. We want to know where Ayla is. We want to bring her home. And as a family, we want to do the right thing. Ayla Bell Reynolds is still missing. Today, she would be six years old. She has blonde hair and blue eyes. For more information about Ayla, including photos and links, check out thinairpodcast.com. I would like to thank Ronnie Reynolds for speaking with us about his granddaughter Ayla. If you have any information about Ayla or her disappearance, please contact the Waterville Police Department. Contact information is on our website. The theme song for today's episode was provided by our friends at Conifer Audio. If you are interested in original compositions or other audio services for your own podcast, drop them a line at coniferaudio at gmail.com. Additional music provided by Chris Zabriskie. You can find his music at chriszabriskie.com. Links are available on our website, thinairpodcast.com. Thank you.